So this morning we're going to continue uh, looking at the Apostles' Creed. <clears throat> if you've got your bulletin, you'll uh, you'll find it there. Last week we uh, we opened the series and we talked about the opening line, the opening words in in the creed, which is "I believe." We talked about what that means, and uh, so this morning we're going to start pushing into the creed. What is it that we believe in? Um, somebody asked me uh, last week, they said, uh, how in the world are you going to get 12 sermons out of the Apostles' Creed? I could get 12 sermons out of this morning's sermon quite easily because we are talking about the, it's, it's the subject of the entire Bible. The Creed says, I believe in God the Father, Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. <clears throat> I go backpacking, and when you when you when you go backpacking, one of the things is uh, you have a very confined, limited amount of space that you can carry your stuff in. And so, what you do is you take these. It's called a stuff sack. Y'all ever seen a stuff sack? They're great, by the way, if you need if you want to. Get more in your your luggage. Um, you you can use these stuff sacks. So what you do is you take all of this all your stuff and you put it in this sack. It's a compression sack, and then it has these straps. And so you know what would normally take this much space by the time you're done is in this much space. Okay, you squeeze it all the way down. And when you open it up, you have to be careful, right? It's somewhat spring loaded at that point. Um, it's a little bit spring-loaded. The Bible is the story of God creating the heavens and the earth. And in His creation of the heavens and the earth, He created us as the pinnacle of His creation. He created us, and, and we were very good and then the Bible is the story of man's fall and God's rescue of him. And so on every page of Scripture, we're encountering God's work in redemption. And so the Bible is, is the story of God's redeeming us. You know, it's, if, if you're going to the Bible for a little self-help, tidbits and, you know, wonderful thoughts for the day, you're kind of missing the big picture. Because the Bible's big picture is, it's the story of God's redemption of humanity. He is creating and recreating for himself what he intended initially the garden to be. So remember, God creates Adam and Eve, he puts them in the garden, and they are to take that garden to work it and to expand it so that it becomes God's habitation here on earth. And so he comes, he meets with them in the garden, he walks with them, he, he talks with them, and they have this wonderful interaction that's ongoing until the fall. And in the fall, remember, God takes Adam and Eve and he puts them out. So they were his images created in order to make this habitation for him and them, and for there to be this symbiotic, synergistic relationship between the two. 
That gets decimated in the fall. And so the rest of the story of the Bible now and the, the story that you and I are participating in is God's remaking this world so that it's kingdom-oriented and, and it can be once again His habitation. And so at the end of all things, I think the Bible teaches that this earth is going to remain but it will be remade, and it will be that perfect habitation that God intended for us. So that saying, we could go anywhere and everywhere to talk about what the creed opens with. The creed opens with, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. So we're going to go to the Lord's Prayer, because the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught us kind of helps, can help redirect our thinking and just expand on that. What do we mean when we say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth? What's, what is, what's kind of caught up in that, if you will? And so that's what we're going to talk about. And, and the first thing that I think as you, you, you look at it, um, uh, the, the first part of this is, that um, as we go to the Lord's Prayer, is Jesus teaches us to pray. And here's how he teaches us. Our Father. Our Father who art in heaven. Okay? So right out of the gate, Jesus tells us something significant about the God of the Bible. And listen, I'm telling you, we could go a million directions with What do we believe about God? The confession tells us several things right out of the gate. It tells us, first, this God is triune. So the confession is telling us, I believe in God the Father, I believe in God the Son, and I believe in the Holy Spirit. We could go that direction. We're going to look at it through through, um, the Lord's Prayer. And the first thing that Jesus teaches us is that this God that you and I believe in, He's close. He's, he's what theologians say, he's imminent. He's, he is with us. We, we have this, this uh, relation, we can have a relationship with the creator of heaven and earth. So we don't believe in a God who's, who's only transcendent. That means apart from us, completely, totally, wholly other. We'll talk about that in a minute. We don't just believe in that God. We believe in a God who's personally knowable, who has made himself available to us. Think about that. This creator God that we talk about, that we believe in, that we say, we we, we confess, that we believe in, he is knowable. He's made Himself knowable to us in creation and in the Word. So the Bible, we say, is God's self-revelation of Himself to us. In 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul says that the Word is literally God-breathed. God breathed that Word out into the hearts and lives of men who then penned it for us. And so we have this self-revelation of God. He's shown us who He is and what He has done. You know what that doesn't mean? 
We don't know everything about him, but Jesus teaches that we can know him, and we can know him as our father. Think about that. The creator of heaven and earth. The being that has always been. I don't know about you, but that just kind of causes like fuses to just, they just go off in my brain. Like I almost, I just want to shut down when I think about that. It's, it's, it's almost too much to even try to comprehend. I mean, what we're doing this morning is, is almost, as I was working through the sermon this week, I'm thinking, this is foolish. Like, what am I, blah, 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 blah. I just, I'm going to get up and talk about the creator of the universe that we believe in. I mean, it's, it would, it'd be akin to me getting up and telling you, I'm going to give you, uh, I'm, I'm going to teach you about the human body and all the parts. Of it. I don't know anything about the body. And, and as I was thinking about this, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to get up and, and t- tell you what it is we believe about the creator of the universe. I, I, I feel completely inadequate. But Jesus tells us that he's our father and that we can address him as our father. Does that blow your mind? He is that personable to us. Paul says this in Galatians 4. He says, but when... The set time had fully come. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. And then he says this, So you are no longer a slave, but you are God's child. And since you are his child, God also made you an heir. That just puts a little more meat on the bones when we think about our father. Listen, as you direct your prayers and if you think about your relationship with the creator of the universe, okay, it's true. Like sometimes you say, well, we're all God's children, okay? All right, that's, that's true. That's not what Jesus is talking about and that's not what the Apostle Paul is talking about. He's talking about a whole nother relationship, right? He's talking about the fact that you are intimately connected with the Father by virtue of the fact that you're in Christ. So you have this relationship with Jesus, and when you entered into a relationship with Jesus, God the Father sent the Spirit of the Son to dwell in your hearts, making you a son, a daughter, a child in the truest sense with God the Father. He truly is not just your Creator, He is your father in the sense of real fathership. You've been adopted into his family. And you reside in that family. 
so that you can approach the creator of the universe and you can say, our, my father, our father. <laughs> Y'all are looking at me like, and? <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I'm, I'm looking for some feedback. I'm looking for something, anything like, that's amazing. Because it literally is amazing. I mean, they're like umpteen hundred billion trillion stars in the universe. It's rapidly expanding. We've looked into a black hole, right? We, we, have you heard about this like gravitational wave thing that they're doing now where they, Einstein's theory of relativity has been proven now to be absolutely true where they've 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 a star imploded 42 trillion thousand million light years away and the waves hit this you know transmitter thing and we are able to like look back into the time and i mean it's crazy stuff and god god created all of that and jesus says you get to talk to that creator as your father because he is So when we say in the creed, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, that's big stuff. That's like really significant. And and it's a little bit, it's, it's, uh, listen, I hope you understand, for some of you this is a big deal. Because you grew up and you've grown up maybe being taught that you, God is so holy, right? He's, and he's a little bit of a cosmic killjoy. He's waiting for you to mess up so he can zap you, right? He, he's, he, he's, and for a lot of people in, in other religious circles, okay, that's, you know, the God of Islam is not approachable in this way. This is, this is different. He is your father. You have a relationship with him that's so wildly different from what other religions um, teach that Christianity does. It's somewhat unique in that sense. The, the other religions do talk about God in the, as being a father, but he is... An other father, okay? He's like the the father that is never really present, um, and that you you certainly wouldn't go and ask for the keys to the car, okay? And some of you have that. That's that is your impression. That is your feeling. You don't you don't feel like you can approach God the Father Almighty because He's been completely other, and so this is a big deal for you. That he says he invites you into his presence that way. But for some of you, okay, the reverse is true. And Jesus counters that in a sense because he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Okay? And so in, in Jewish tradition, they didn't even utter the name of God. Um, they didn't talk about, you know, they, they didn't write it, they didn't utter it too holy. So in, in other areas, right, we're a little too buddy-buddy with the creator of the universe. And, and we have this, you know, nonchalant, we don't, 
We don't imagine for a second who He is in terms of His holiness, His otherness, that transcendent part. So He's both transcendent, He's completely and totally holy, but He's made Himself available to us so that He's we experience the imminence of the Creator. And they're all here. They're, they're bound up. And so the, the Creed says it not once. The Creed says it twice. I believe in God the Father. And the Creed says, Almighty. Okay? He's all-powerful. He's holy. To kind of pile on, the Creed says, I believe in God the Father Almighty. He's the Creator of heaven and earth. Okay? He's substantial in all of His parts. And the creed adds it again later, in the, near the middle of the creed, when it says, we're talking about Jesus, He ascended into heaven and He sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. The creed says it again. And so two times in the creed we get God the Father Almighty. Okay? And so what they're doing is they're taking these two parts and they're pulling them together for us. And we have to, we experience both of those. And so when we talk about the fact that he's almighty, okay, what Jesus says is, hallowed be your name. Okay? And then we, we get kind of the vastness, your kingdom come, your will be done, because God exerts his will. He has a, a will that's completely other and apart from us. And, and Jesus says, pray that the will of the, of the Father Almighty, of, of the one whose name is, is hallowed, Okay, that means he's, he's this holy God. Pray that that will would be exerted here in space. That his kingdom would come in a, in a fresh kind of a way for us. Um, and so that, that is the, those two coming together. He's our father, but he is holy and righteous and just. Our, our confession uh, the, the shorter catechism, the Westminster Catechism, pulls it together and, and, and we ask the question, um, what is God? And the answer is God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. In his, okay, so think about that. Infinite and eternal. You know what those mean? It means he, he has no beginning. He has no end. He always has be. Been. Okay, so he's infinite, he's un- eternal, and he's unchangeable. God doesn't change, he doesn't fluctuate, he's not hot and cold. So, you know, uh, uh, the image of the Father may evoke for you some of those things, right? As a father, I'm hot and cold. Uh, some, sometimes I'm good at it, sometimes I'm not good at it. Sometimes I am, I, I, sometimes I might yell that the light switch has been left on again. Sometimes I might just flip it off. Okay? I'm, I fluctuate like that. I'm wild. Um, the, the Bible tells us that God does not change. He, he's, not, he doesn't, he's not like us in that sense. So He's infinite. He's inter- eternal. He's unchangeable in His being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. Okay, so all of these things, you, know, you start thinking about those uh, and and you, you begin to understand that He is wholly apart from us because He's God.
Jesus tells us in the prayer, Our Father who dwells in heaven. Okay? So the the Our Father part is that eminence. The dwells in heaven part is that transcendence. He's not your pal. He's not our buddy. He's the creator of heaven and earth. If you have your Bible, and just to get a glimpse of it, Isaiah chapter 6. If you if you kind of if you're one of those people like a little extra curriculum, uh, uh, extracurricular reading, you, you know you you want to just go a little bit deeper, um, you can come see me. Or I, I just give you a book recommendation. R.C. Sproul's The Holiness of God uh, would kind of kind of take you to think of, uh, you know that next level about who he is. And, you know when we when we think about God, what are we thinking about? Who are we thinking about? Who is he? But listen to Isaiah um, and and this picture that Isaiah gets of of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphs, each with six wings, and with two they covered their faces, with two they covered with feet, of their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And Isaiah says, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among an unclean people. Right, so Isaiah has this picture. It's like he's teleported into the throne room of God, and the beams are there, and the train of the robe of the Lord Almighty has filled the temple, and they are crying out to each other, holy, holy, holy. And they can't look on him, and they can't touch the same ground as him. They're, they're hovering in the air, and, and all of this is happening. Isaiah is taking all of this in. When he sees the picture, he's not... You do realize, like, no one can see God and live. Right? You know that. Like, like you, would just, you would just melt. You would just become nothing. And so Isaiah is just seeing the, the smoke-filled inner chamber of the Lord's dwelling place and the robe of the Lord Almighty and... He is completely beside himself undone. See, this is, this is the second part. He is your father. He is also so holy that he cannot be approached. He's so holy that you will never fully see him. It's just mind-blowing. He's so holy, listen, that in the person of Jesus, okay, the second person of the Trinity, look, I'm telling you, 12 sermons, 
like 1,200 sermons, and we would never even begin to get there. But he's so holy that in the person of Jesus, when the disciples see just a little sliver of the Godhead in Jesus, what do they do? They melt down, right? So when they're on the boat with Jesus and the storm blows up, okay, and the boat is being tossed around and they're about to be capsized and they're, they're hither and yon and they're freaking out. The disciples are melting down. Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat and they wake Jesus up and he calms the storm. What do they do? They go to pieces because, and, and they go to the pieces and say, even the wind and the waves obey him. Okay? So when they get just like a little sliver of the Godhead and the person of Jesus, they, they go bonkers. Okay? They, fall, they fall before him. Um, they just become bumbling idiots because they are undone the exact same way that Isaiah is undone when he beholds the fullness of God or the partial fullness of God in this vision that he has. That's the normal response. John MacArthur tells a story, and I'm trying to think of the, I'm trying to think of the book. I think it was Charismatic Chaos. And, um, and so he's telling a story in that he, you know, he heard from this guy. This guy was telling him, like, you know, every morning I get up and I go in and I, and I, when I'm shaving, Jesus appears to me, and he, he stands next to me, puts his arm around me. This guy is relaying this to John MacArthur. And John MacArthur says, I, I just have one question for you. Do you keep shaving? <laughs> because when, when, people see, when people see Jesus in the Bible for who he is, they're not left doing the same thing they were doing before. They're completely changed. See? And, and, and so when we see God, we, see, we know him as our father. But, but friends, he is the creator of the universe. So, um, you know, we don't have a, we don't, this is really hard to come up with examples Okay, and the closest example I could think of would, would be like, okay, so you're going to meet the queen or the, pre, the, the president or the pope. Okay, so even though we're not Catholic um, in that sense, uh, the pope would still hold some sort of, you know, is it Pope Francis right now? I can't remember. It's Francis. Okay, so so let's say like you go to meet the pope. Okay, and you're. You're there, and you know, right? You know, this is the Pope, and so you you kind of come in sheepishly, and the Pope says, "Hey, look, just call me Francis." Okay, so you have that access now. He's kind of giving you that access, but don't you still? You're still going to feel like it feels funny calling you Francis because you're the Pope. Okay, and so the Creed does that for us a little bit. I believe in God. The Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And Jesus does that for us in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's that's the approachable part. 
But it's also the transcendent part. He's completely and totally other from us. What else does Jesus teach us? What else, what else might be here? And here's what I would say is that the, the creed and, and Jesus' prayer teach us that we are approaching and we know and we have a relationship with this God who is our Father and He is completely, totally holy and other apart from us. He's, you know, He's big. And the third part is He's all-powerful. He is all-powerful. He, he can do and does do and is in control of absolutely everything. The, the, the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, right? What do we ask Him for? We come to Him as our Father, who is the Creator of heaven and earth, and we ask Him for our daily bread. And we, and we approach Him for forgiveness, okay? He is both the one who is just and he justifies us. He is responsible for both justice in the world and and making sure that everything is done according to his justice. And at the same time, he is the one responsible for giving us access to him. He sent Jesus into the world. So if you go and you look at Peter's recounting of all of this and and in Acts chapter 2, what does Peter say? Peter looks at the people and he says, look, you're responsible for putting Jesus to death. And oh, by the way, God did all of this according to his plan. See, he's completely and utter in control of everything. He was in control of the death of his son. So when Jesus went into the garden, he said, Father, if it's possible, would you let this cup pass me by? Can we do this another way? Why is Jesus addressed, right? If, if, if they're acting on their own accord and only their own accord, then what does God have to do with that? You see? So God is sovereign over everything that happens. He's big. He's huge. He is almighty. He gives us our daily bread. So you go back through the Bible. You look at the stories. Israel in in the desert, wandering, who, who feeds them? God feeds them. You have water from the rock, Exodus chapter 16. Who is the one that waters them? God waters them. Who is the one that's saving them? God is the one that's saving them. He's, he's in the pillar of fire at night, the pillar of cloud in the day. He descends on them. He watches over them. He protects them. Okay, Every, even on the pages where God isn't mentioned, he's behind the scenes. And we saw that in 1 Samuel. And so, he's the one that gives us access. Verse 13, we, we pray that our temptations would be limited. We, we ask him for things. He's, he's given to us his spirit. So, so, God is sovereign over everything. Jesus' prayer owns that. And the confession that we use does the same thing. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, what? Creator of heaven and earth. Creator of heaven and of earth. So what does the creed do? The creed takes us all the way back to the beginning. Takes us all the way back to Genesis and says, boom, right there. We believe it. So in a sense... When we say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, 
that is a humongous theological statement that we're making. We're saying, I believe that there's purpose in this world. I believe that in a God who has made himself available to us, who loves us, pursues us, has a plan for us, I believe in his kingdom ruling and reigning in heaven. I pray for it to come on earth, and I believe that one day he will establish it and we'll be a part of it in the final end. And I will live with him and dwell with him forever. I mean, you, you just think about it. Just take, take the scriptures and the creed is dropping it all right on us, but in really tight fashion. Does that make sense? So we're saying a mouthful, a, a ton, when we simply utter those words, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Look, I, it doesn't make any difference to me if you uh, don't take this the wrong way. Some of you will, but don't take this the wrong way. Does it make any difference to me if you believe the earth is 6,000 years old or 6 billion years old? I don't care. Did he make it? Okay? Yes. And we confess that. God created what else does that say? I mean, you can begin to extrapolate all, all, every little part. I believe he created heaven and earth. That means I believe he created me. I believe he created, and if I believe he created me, then I also believe he created you. And if he created you, and if the Bible says he put his stamp on you, that he created you, he created us in his image, now what am I saying? Now I'm saying, look, I am going to treat you as if you are made in the image of God. All of the people around you, the people that drive you crazy and nuts, made in the image of God. I love what C.S. Lewis says, right? C.S. Lewis says, you have the opportunity because you have never met a person in your life. You have never met a person in your life who does not have an eternal destiny. Every person you encounter is either going to live eternally with God or they will be in utter darkness. Every person you and I cross paths with. Why? Because we all bear the image of God. He created us as eternal beings. We will live forever. The question is where? And every person we have contact with, every road, every path we cross is with a person. So, who's valuable? What's valuable in life? You. You're valuable. That boat sitting in the lake? Utterly worthless in comparison to the person sitting next to you. Your house? Junk. It's junk in comparison with your neighbor who lives next door to you. Your bank account? will utterly vanish at some point. It might vanish tomorrow if the stock market tanks. <laughs> the person who lives two doors down will live forever. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You see how we could go on? 12,000 sermons would never touch what the Bible, what, what the creed 
is drawing our attention to. The creed is telling us that we have a God who is so holy, He is Almighty God. And He's your Father. And oh, by the way, He's in control of absolutely everything. Do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth? Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. As we confess this creed week after week, I pray that we will think about, I pray that I will think about who you are and who I am and what I do in light of that. And I pray that each of us will see, know, and be reminded of who you are. And on account of that, we will take stock of our own lives for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen.